in uh, 2020, when all the uh, protests started happening, uh, you know, people were sending videos of different things that were going on around the nation, and um, and uh, someone sent me a message in mess a video in Messenger on Facebook, and um, when I opened it to play the video, uh, it started. Uh, they, there were people that were marching in the streets, and they were chanting, F Jesus. And <laughs> right now, it was everything I could do. I just listened to it for a few seconds, and I shut it off because I couldn't handle it. And, uh, and so I heard these words in my heart, and I believe they were from the Lord. And he said, there is no fear of God in them. Or before their eyes. There is no fear of God in them, nor before their eyes. So I started praying and, uh, and asking the Lord to forgive him. I, you know, I was thinking about Jesus up on the cross and you know, when they were crucifying him and spitting on him and beating him and everything else that they were doing. And he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And, uh, and so I uh, prayed for him and uh, so to me, what he was saying here is that there is no fear of God in them. But secondarily, he told me that there's no fear of God before their eyes. Which meant to me that they don't see the fear of God anywhere. Or they don't recognize that it is the fear of God if they see it. And so in Psalm 89, verse 5. It says, and the heavens will praise your wonders, which we just did with him, O Lord. Your faithfulness also is in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? We just got done singing about all that, right? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And to be held in reverence by all those around him. So he's saying here in this verse that God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Which where we are right now, this moment, in this room. Then he says, and to be held in reverence by all those around him. That's everybody else. Nobody left out. In Psalms 36, 1, it says, The transgressor, transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. So the transgressor is saying this. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Romans 6, 16 reads, There is no fear of God before their eyes. So the world, apparently, is not seeing the reverence and the awe of God in the church or out of the church, which is his body, which fills all in all. And um, I've had it in my heart uh, since then to teach on this, and it just didn't seem right or fitting to do it. And uh, pastors are out of town uh, tonight, and, um, and so uh, when I learned that I was going to be doing this, it just kind of rose up in my heart that it's time. It's time to do this. You know, it's raining, right? In Zechariah, it tells us that we are to pray for the rain. And we pray for the former and the latter rain. And from the reports where we've been getting the last few weeks, it is raining, raining, raining. God is pouring out his glory upon all flesh. And uh, I got a report today that another university in Houston, I think it was, that uh, God is visiting that university. And so I'm so excited and so one wonderfully glad that God is pouring himself out. Hungry hearts uh, in the book, um, Tongues the Upper Room. It says in that book that uh, Brother Hagin said, Jesus told him, I am visiting hungry hearts everywhere. And so uh, Sunday night we pray, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm, hung I'm a hungry heart. <laughs> and if you don't think you're a hungry heart, you can confess, I'm a hungry heart. So he can come visit you. Amen.
And so I have just, you know, I've watched a little bit, you know, a little bit of social media and people are giving their opinions and their criticisms and all this kind of stuff about it. And my heart is uh, you can't deny uh, what God is doing in them, what their confession and their testimony is, and uh, how God is, is ministering to them and visiting them. And so whatever kerfluffle comes out of all of that, their hearts are changed. They're on fire for God. Uh, they're making it available to, to the world uh, so you can join in and, and get what we're getting to. And so uh, away with the criticisms, away with the critiques and all of that kind of stuff. And it even lets you know what condition your heart is in. By being that way. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> so there's a particular minister that I like to follow. And, um, and so when I learned that I was going to be ministering on this, uh, he, he around that time started announcing that he, he was writing a book. Uh, and, uh, and so it's along these lines. And so I got on his launch team and everything, and, um, and so I'm not going to necessarily talk about that in particular tonight, but it seems to be something that God is stirring right now about the fear of the Lord and uh, who he is and how awesome he is and how we should reverence him and worship him and adore him. And so uh, we're going to look at some things tonight. Is that all right with y'all? Yes. Well, whether it's all right or not, we, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? According to Unger's Bible Dictionary, it uh, has several def definitions. But <clears throat> for what we're doing tonight, and uh, I think this might be lingering. This might be, uh, be a uh, uh, more than one night uh, message. The fear of God is that which uh, has its springs in love. It prompts not to offend God and to endeavor in all things to please him. It dreads God's displeasure. It desires his favor. It reveres his holiness. Submits cheerfully to his will. Is grateful for his benefits. Sincerely worships him. And conscientiously obeys his commandments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I wrote a scripture down here and I didn't put the reference for it. I think it's in Hebrews. <clears throat> it says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I think it's Hebrews 10, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a, all, is a consuming fire. So it is. It's Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Are you glad to be part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Hallelujah. There's a lot of shaking going on in the world. But that kingdom cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So we're going to pull out those two words, reverence and awe, and look at those um, here in just a minute. Well, uh, let's look at uh, one more definition. The olive tree definition, uh, olive tree Bible says... Fearing the Lord means to be in reverent awe of his holiness, to give him complete reverence and to honor him as the God of great glory, majesty, purity, and power. It says God went, uh, when God revealed himself to the Israelites on Mount Sinai through thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. It said they wanted Moses to go talk to God instead of them talk to God. God talked to them directly. You be our mediator. Come back and tell us what he said. Because <laughs> of the lightnings and thunder and thick cloud over the mountain and the loud trumpet blast. And it was because of, and it says, and they all trembled in fear because of his great power. And that's in Exodus 19, 16. 
So there is an awesomeness about him <laughs> that could always also cause you to fear him. Maybe even in a wrong way. Uh, one of the definitions in the Hebrew and the Greek of uh, fear of God is terror. I don't know how to reconcile that, but <laughs> it means terror. Maybe we'll find out as we continue. So, uh, and it says, and David reflects on God as creator. He says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants, the people of the world, stand in awe or revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Hallelujah. And that's Psalm 33, 3, um, 30, Psalm 33, 8, 9. So Hebrews 12, 28, 28, let's go to uh, the end of that. Reverence and godly fear. Hallelujah. And so the Greek definitions of those words, reverence, profound adoring, odd respect. Godly fear means awe. Awe means fear, dread, inspired by something great and terrific. To strike the fear and reverence. To influence by fear, terror, and respect. That's Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So all these words, profound adoring, which we were just a-doing, just a-doing. <laughs> uh, odd respect. Uh, fear, awe, fear, dread, um, reverence influence to fear and to respect so to fear God is to reverence and be in complete awe of him to greatly respect him to re esteem to respect to honor to venerate to adore him above anyone and anything else hallelujah hallelujah and he's worthy of it. Amen. He's worthy to be worshipped and adored. So what does the Bible say about the fear of the Lord? So we're going to look at a few uh, scriptures here. I know y'all get real nervous. I got quiet on me there. So uh, praise the Lord. But these are, you know, things that we don't hear about very often, things that we need to know. And just as much as we need to know about our prosperity and our healing and our peace and all of that, we need to admonish and encourage ourselves in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, um, Jeremiah 29, um, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 2, 19. So, what contributes to backsliding and drawing back from the things of God? We see a lot in our nation right now. Um, I was listening to a uh, uh, podcast the other day. And Barna, who is a Christian, uh, like, statistics-type uh, group, they said in the last 23 years, 40 million people who profess to be Christ followers are no longer serving him in the U.S. 40 million people who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are no longer serving him. And it went on to say, not only are they not serving him, they become agnostic, they become atheists, and some of them have become spiritualist. So they've gone to the dark side. 40 million people in the United States have left the church, left Christ, stopped professing Christ. And so I don't know how they, uh, they get all their statistics, but uh, Barna is a pretty reputable uh, entity. So what constitutes backsliding and drawing back from the things of God? It's a lack of the fear of the Lord. Jeremiah 2.19, thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. So the awe of God, the fear of God, the reverence of him, 
uh, should draw us closer to him. Not like the Israelites, they want to run away and they wanted a mediator to go talk to God for them. Uh, it shouldn't have even been that, you know, like Moses was. I see a burning bush up there. I wonder what that's about. I'm going up there. I'll be right back. Tell his wife. I'm going up to see what, what that, that bush that's not being consumed is about up there. It caused him an awe, uh, a, um, a supernatural happening. Uh, something manifest of God caused him to go closer. Not draw away. Hallelujah. And, uh, and Joshua, remember, Moses would go to the, uh, to the tent of meeting. And as he's walking to the tent of meeting, the Israelites are standing in their doorways, watching him go to the tent of meeting. But it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, even when Moses left, he hung out in the glory, in the presence of God. It drew him closer who God was because God would come down <laughs> and consume up the things that were on the altar and they could see the awesomeness of God. Y'all, they had a cloud by day, an umbrella over them in the desert and they had fire by night. He was supernaturally providing for them but they were afraid of him and drew back from him. That's not what he wanted. Hallelujah. He wanted them to come close. Jeremiah 32, verse 38. And we're gonna, this, I just tell you now, sword drill. We're doing sword drill tonight. So just strap on and get ready. Jeremiah 32, uh, 38. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way. And uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Robert ministered on a Wednesday night about God's way. And he says one way in this verse, one way. And that they may fear me forever for the good of them. So God doesn't want us to fear him or have an all just for him. And he's sitting up there, worship me. I'm the great creator. Yeah, give me all my due. Da, 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 da. He's not narcissistic that way. He wants us to reverence him and have awe for him and fear him for the good of us. For the good of us. And of their children after them. So our children can see in us our reverence towards the Lord, our worship towards the Lord. How we are with God, they pattern themselves after that. If we don't go to church, if you don't go to church, why should I go to church? If you don't worship God, why should I worship God? Hallelujah. We were, uh, I think it was yesterday in prayer, the Lord had us go to Psalm 78. You can write down and look at it later. But that whole psalm is God talking to the elders of Israel about teaching their children about him. So that the generations to come would know him. And it says even the unborn ones, that they will know him. And he said he made it a law and an ordinance forever for them to teach their children about him. And he said, so you won't turn back like your fathers uh, and become hard-hearted like they were in the desert. That they may fear me forever for the good of them. And their children after them. So our respect towards God is transferred to our children. Verse 40. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from, uh, from them and do them good. So he's telling us, even in the old covenant, he's want to do good to us. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Maybe us as the church, maybe that's an indictment against the leaders of the church. If 40 million people in this nation have left Christ, maybe because we haven't done our duty about teaching on the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> and we never want to stray from him. And sometimes we're more afraid of people than we are him. Uh, 
<clears throat> when I was in high school, my senior year, I became pregnant out of wedlock. And I had graduated from high school, and uh, about a week later, I found out I was pregnant. And uh, <laughs> you talking about the fear of the Lord? It was more the fear of Geraldine. And so I had this awe and reverence and fear to tell my mom about it. And so I hesitated and hesitated and hesitated. And so the clinic that I went to, my uncle's girlfriend was working there. And she told my uncle and my uncle told my dad. So uh, on 4th of July, I remember it, remember it well, 1994. My dad came in and he called me to uh, the living room. And he said, I need to talk to you. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, are you pregnant? And I said, yes, sir. And uh, he said, you need to tell your mom. I said, no, sir. <laughs> and he said, they called me Nana. And he said, you, Nana, you're going to have to tell her. And I said, no, sir. And uh, so they left the house again. And uh, they went up to my grandmother's. And by that time, my uncle had told my grandma. <laughs> And then my grandma told mom. So they're coming back to the house. <laughs> and uh, I'm in the kitchen, kitchen washing dishes. And I hear, Nana. Went, oh, Jesus. And uh, yes, ma'am. Come here. And so I go in the living room and she's sitting on the couch. And uh, she said, come here. And she had me kneel down by her. And uh, she looked in my face and she said, are you pregnant? And I said, yes, ma'am. And, uh, and this is what she said to me. She said, um, she said, I am disappointed in the fact that you're pregnant. She said, but I am more disappointed in the fact that you could not come to me. My mom was a, a, a strict disciplinarian. And uh, there was nine of us, so she had to be. <laughs> And, uh, but that side sometimes came more strongly uh, than her caring side because she did have a caring side. I remember the reason why she had me stand, kneel down by her is because that's where I got my hair scratched, my scalp scratched. <laughs> I would lay my head on her lap and she would take the comb and scratch my scalp. And, uh, and then I fall asleep in her lap, you know. So uh, there is sweetness about it, her kind. She'd give anything to anybody, you know. And that kind of thing, but there was a, a side of Geraldine that I, that I feared. Uh, probably even, I probably would have rather gone home to be with the Lord than to tell her. <laughs> uh, it was rough. So, but after that, you know, uh, and when she said that, I am more disappointed in the fact that you couldn't tell me. You're talking about dread. My heart just sunk in me that I had disappointed my mom uh, that way. And, uh, but after that, they loved on me and, you know, didn't kick me out and all those kinds of things. I actually raised my daughter uh, so that I could go to school. I had a full-ride scholarship at Alabama A&M University uh, here in town. And, uh, and so they raised her and helped me and all of that. And uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons why I'm the only girl in my family and the oldest. And so they kept having nine children because they wanted another girl. And so boys kept coming. And so when she came along, she scooped her up as, her, as the 10th daughter, you know, in the family that, you know, 10th child in the family. So, uh, but I had, you know, a healthy fear of Geraldine. Um, <clears throat> speaking of Alabama A&M University, uh, when I gave my life to the Lord uh, at age 22, I had an instructor, went to a little small uh, charismatic church here in town. And, uh, and so uh, one of our instructors at uh, A&M, Dr. Annis H. is his name, and he has a, had a, a Ph.D. in mathematics and physics. And uh, so he was also a Bible teacher, a very good Bible teacher. And so I remember uh, with him, he had a Bible school, a Bible study at his house. Herman, do you remember Dr. H? <laughs> You're talking about the fear of God or the fear of Dr. H. You know him too. And uh, so we would go to Bible study, you know, one night we was in Bible study and I was on this diet. And so I had cheated on the diet, but I hadn't told nobody. 
And so in the Bible study, I start getting cramps uh, in the Bible study. And uh, so everybody's trying to tend to me and everything. And he said, stop, 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 stop. He said, the Lord is speaking. <laughs> he said, Belinda, are you on a diet? And I said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord said the reason why you're having those cramps is because you veered off your diet. <laughs> he just ratted me out. Thanks, Holy Ghost. So from then on, when I would go to the Bible study at Dr. H's house, I'd go, Lord, while I'm driving there, Lord, I just thank you that you don't tell Dr. H anything about me tonight in Bible study. <laughs> but I feared Dr. H. God knew. God knew. Hallelujah. And so we fear what people think about us and all of that kind of stuff. But there's someone who's with us all the time. How we treat people, what we say, what we do when we think nobody else is watching. He's there. <laughs> uh, Pastora Maria Teresa, uh, a couple of times ago when she was here, she stayed at my house. And I sort of dropped her off, picked her up at the airport, dropped her off and came back to work. So I went home to pick her up for dinner and uh, asked her how her day was. Did she get rest and all that? And she said, uh, she said, I love praying in your house. And I said, oh, yeah. She said, and I have a long hallway. And she said, up and down this hallway, there's angels everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, uh, so I've just been walking among them uh, in the house. And so after she left, I was so cognizant of the fact that there are angels in my house. And I'm going, you know. I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> when I leave the house, take care of the house, you know, that kind of thing. But the awareness, the awareness of him, uh, holy angels in my house. I'm, I'm glad to have angels in my house. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Uh, but having an awareness of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So um, there's a quote uh, that Billy Graham had said. I, I don't remember how long ago it was, but he said, Our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. Our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. You know, there's a casualness about our uh, society today. And with that, we can treat the things of God as base, uh, ordinary, uh, not reverence, those things. And, uh, and God says in his word that he doesn't change. And just because culture changes and just because society changes, I remember growing up uh, watching, watching Lucy Arnaz on television and they slept in separate beds. Now you can't watch even a commercial on television. To show you how far culture has moved. But because they're accepting of it doesn't mean that God is. He says, I am God, God, and I change not. So because people change, because mores change, because culture change, because time goes on, he stays the same. And I am so glad because we know how he's going to be when we approach him. Not up one down and down the next. And, oh, can, you, uh, can we go in to see him? I don't know. Is he the wonderful and terrible eyes behind the curtain? Who is God? But he remains the same. The, the word of God says that his faithfulness is to the clouds. And he remains faithful. And he's showing his faithfulness to this generation right now. Hallelujah. So the casualty, I have any school of ministry students in here. Raise your hand. Where are my school of ministry? Hi, hi, hi. Raise your hand high. School of ministry students and graduates. Graduate students, graduate students. Hallelujah. So they are my witnesses of this. When I give them an assignment, I have a particular assignment that I give them when they're in my class. They, the name, uh, nouns and pronouns that refer to deity have to be capitalized. 
Anybody got a witness? S-O-M. And if it's not, they get points taken off. And so why do you do that? You know, it don't matter. It's not a big deal. But it's me in a small way training you to reverence God and to reverence his name. You know, for a capital letter, uh-huh. Because it differentiates a, a he from him. And I, was, I have a book at home, and uh, I read it years ago, and it said this, that um, in, with the Jewish people, when they write down the name of God, like the word Yahweh, and we spell it Y-A-H-W-A-E-Y-E-H. They spell it W-Y-W-Y, I'm sorry, Y-H-W-H. They don't put the, the vowels in there. And when they write the name of the Lord, no matter what the name of the Lord is, they said that it can't be erased. That's how much they fear and reverence and honor the names of God. And that's a way of them holding themselves in a place of honor unto him. Hallelujah. And it says, because a name represents the reputation of the thing named a name should be treated with the same respect as the thing's, it, the thing's reputation. For this reason, God's names in all of their forms are treated with enormous respect and reverence in Judaism. And we use it as a cuss word. Not y'all. Not y'all. Y'all better not. <laughs> Them's people out there. I know that even in writing and English and uh, print media and all that kind of stuff, that things are done creatively and all of that. I don't care. I don't care. And these students and the graduates can tell you I don't care. He is God. Yes. You know, uh, we used to sing a song uh, years ago, I am a friend of God. And we are friends of God. Uh, the word Abba in the word of God is Daddy God. He is our Daddy God. But we just sang about the great I am. We just talked about I stand in awe of him. He is beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words. What is it, too wonderful beyond comprehension than anything we've ever seen or heard? Who can match his infinite wisdom? He is God. And as I was studying, I was reminded, we're not going to look there tonight, but in Job 38, I think it is, four guys sitting around pontificating about God and why this is happening to Job and all of that. And, uh, <clears throat> and so uh, God comes to Job and said, who are you? And he says, when, when did you measure the earth in your hand? When did you measure the waters in your hand? And Job's going, I, 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 I don't know nothing, God. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I will put my hand over my mouth. And God goes on for chapters there talking about who he is, how he flung the stars in the space. Where were you when I flung the stars in the Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And you're sitting down there talking about nothing. Of what you don't know. Hallelujah. He showed God, uh, Job, who he was in that, in that moment. Hallelujah. So our casualness with him. He's not dude. He's not my ace boon coon. He's God. He's your savior. He's the only one that gave his life for you and me. Hallelujah. And they may call it base and they may cuss out and they may mock and all of that. But we are not of those. We are not of those. Hallelujah. Um, let's go to do this very quickly. I didn't mean to see if I could do this. So just to kind of give you an idea of irreverence in the Bible. 
1 Samuel 2, verse 12. And this is talking about Eli's sons. In verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did, uh, they did not know the Lord. The NIV of that verse says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. Now, Eli's sons are priests. They were priests in the house of God. And this says they were scoundrels. They were corrupt. They had no regard for the Lord. Verse 13. And the priest's custom with the people was that they, when, uh, that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand, and while the meat was boiling, with, uh, while the meat was boiling, then he would thrust into the pan and kettle and cauldron and pot, and the priest would, <clears throat> and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh. Uh, to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who, who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat uh, from you, but raw. So these are the sons that are coming. And they're saying this. And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as you'd, your heart desires. He should, he would be, uh, he would then answer him, no, but you must give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. These are the priests in the house of God. Therefore, the sin of the young men were very, was very great before the Lord for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The NIV says in verse 17, the sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight. For they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Where they were not reverencing it as holy. Verse 22. And now Eli was very old and he heard everything his sons did to, to all of Israel. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle, at the tabernacle of meeting. So not only were they taking what didn't belong to them, they were also having sex with the women in the holy place, in church. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. The Lord don't take kindly to people taking uh, the hearts of his people away from him. If you remember Baal worship in Israel... The Lord told Elijah to anoint Elisha, Jehu, and there was another king uh, who was a military man. He told them to anoint them to stamp out Baal worship in Israel. Anoint them to do it. And uh, Jehu was very zealous for his God. And so Jehu, in order to stamp his part in stamping out Baal worship, he invited the Baal worshipers to come to a party. And he said, the priest of the Lord high God cannot come. This is not for them. This is for you. And say, so they all come to this barn. He locks them in the barn and burn it down. He was anointed to do it. God don't take kindly for people carrying off the heart of his people away from him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're in a place of offense. Keep your offense to yourself. That's admonishment for all of us. Because you throw it over in somebody else's garden. And pastor even says that uh, the definition of it is rape. Verses 27 through 36. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, now, Eli said something to his sons, but he really didn't correct them. 
He didn't tell him to stop. I'm going to sit you down. If I hear one more thing about it, I'm going to get a crepe myrtle switch and I'm going to whip you. <laughs> you know, none of that stuff. He didn't do any of that. He just said, I heard about it. And I don't like it. But he didn't tell him to stop. So, verse 27, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, uh, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer my, uh, upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling? Uh, in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me. To make yourselves fat with the best of the, all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord of Israel says, so the Lord sent this man of God to tell Eli this, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me, shall be lightly esteemed. And that's what that word despise me is lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see, uh, you will see an enemy in my dwelling uh, place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there should not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from mine altar, consume your eyes and, give, and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this, now you might think, and somebody might say, and in the culture that we have, you know, well, I, I just don't want to just damage little Johnny's psyche. So, you know, I don't yell at him. I, I don't correct him. I don't do that. Eli did not correct his sons. And it says that he honored them above God because he knew they were doing wrong. So he honored his sons more than God. And because he did not correct them, because he did not love them and correct them, this is the fate that they found in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon you and your two sons, and Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a house, and he shall walk before me anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and say, Please put me in the one of the priestly positions that I might eat a piece of bread. So that's what dishonor, disrespect, no reverence, no fear of God looks like. In our current culture right now, churches and denominations and houses of God are making decisions about the things of God. Uh, I just read a report yesterday, an article yesterday, that one of them has decided that they're changing the pronoun referring to God as he to gender neutral terms for God. This is to implore more inclusive language in worship for those who wish to speak to God in a non-gender way. God has shown himself to us as father as Lord, God is spirit. You can't relegate him to a pronoun. Another one last summer decided, a denomination decided this. Um, we're denouncing the prosperity gospel as a false teaching in their annual resolution. They and voted on it. And they denounced the prosperity gospel because it ties is tied to the idea that God wants us happy, healthy, wealthy on the earth. So they decided. They decided. A church uh, to the north of us decided the Bible is not the inerrant word of God. It is an antiquated book 
not relevant for us today. So we're not using it anymore in our worship services. And we're just going to teach moral principles. Where are you going to get the moral principles from? <laughs> What's the, what standard are you measuring it by? God gave us the law so that we could see we were in sin. And I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. I'm in Judges. And it says in Judges 21, 25, that in those days there was no king in Israel. Meaning there was no authority, no voice that was uh, uh, guiding them, leading them. And it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Proverbs 1, 26. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. This is God talking. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. So what happens? They have no scripture to hold on to. They get cancer in their body. They don't know 1 Peter 2.24 because they've been taught a Reader's Digest version of a moral teaching. Then I will, they will call on me and I will not answer. And they will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. What is the word of God? It is the counsel of God. They would not, would not have, they would have none of my counsel and despise or lightly esteem my every rebuke. So when you do that, you get the consequences of not heeding the counsel of God. Hebrews 10, 29. How much of how much worse punishment do you? And I think pastor read this on Sunday. I'm going to read it out of Amplified Classic. Hebrews 10, 29. How much worse, sterner or heavier punishment do you suppose he will be judged to deserve uh, who has spurned and thus trampled underfoot the son of God? And who has considered the blood covenant by which he was consecrated common and unhallowed. And that word hallowed means holy. Thus profaning it and insulting and outraging the Holy Spirit who imparts grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God. So, God is a God that does not change. And just because society does, just because it's cool, just because it's culture, doesn't mean that he's changed. So when culture goes off and veer away from the word of God, what do we do? We stick. Nope. When someone's arguing with you about, well, I, I, well, I just believe, well, the word of God says. That's our answer. Because we... Our opinion don't mean jack about nothing. But the word of God says this is wrong. The word of God says this is how we should be, behave. The word of God says this is what we should do and not do. So what are some of the benefits of the fear of the Lord? And we're going to wrap it up. Um, you ready for your sword drill? More of your sword drill? All right. So the benefits of the fear of the Lord or the awe of God. Proverbs 9.10. You can just write down the reference and I'll read the scripture. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear of the Lord pre, uh, causes wisdom to come. And knowledge of the Holy One brings understanding. Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have of uh, have all those who do his commandments, mean obey him, and praise uh, his praise endures forever. Psalm 25, 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he, re he teach in the way he chooses. So God teaches you in your way if you fear him. 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. You want to know the secrets of God's heart? Fear him. 
and he will show them his covenant. Psalm 115, 11, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, and he is your help and their shield. So if we trust in the Lord and fear in the Lord, we, uh, if we fear the Lord, we trust him, and he's our help. Hallelujah. Psalm 128, 1, blessed is uh, everyone who fears the Lord, who walk in his ways. The NLT of that verse says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. And then my favorite Amplified Classic, it says, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is everyone who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who walks in his ways and lives according to his commandments. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. The New Living says of that same verse, Psalm 33, 8, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. Which goes back to the story I told you at the very beginning about how people, uh, you know, in uh, the Lord said, there is no fear of God in them and there is no fear of God before their eyes. Here he's saying, let all the let the whole world feel the Lord, fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of Him. Hallelujah! In Joshua chapter four, and you can just write the reference Joshua four fifteen. Um, they had just come across the Jordan; they're getting ready to take the Promised Land. Uh, God gave them specific instructions for different things, and He told them to take twelve stones and put them in the, uh, in the uh, Jordan. And as they went down in the Jordan to do all that, the Jordan parted, that all the people came over, and then jo Joshua gathered up the 12 stones. And then while they're on the other side, after they had crossed over, Joshua said this to the Israelites in verse 21. Joshua 4, 21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites in the future, um, it says to the Israelites, in the future your children would ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had crossed over. He did this so. He did this so. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. He did these mighty acts. He did these wonderful things so that the earth, the nations of the earth might know. And the Lord, that the Lord's hand, in one translation, it says that his hand is mighty. His hand is powerful. So, and so you might fear the Lord God forever. Hallelujah. So what does it mean to be a Christ follower regarding the fear of the Lord? This quote uh, I saw of a, of a gentleman named Charles Inglis. Uh, to fear God is one of the first and greatest duties of his rational creatures. The fear to fear God is one of the first and greatest duties of his rational creatures. Creation, you can say. So we are to look at God as Abba. We are to look at him as Daddy God. We are a friend of God. But he is God. And he is to be revered. And he is to be worshipped. And he is to be adored. Uh, we love God. And we love what God loves. And we hate what God hates. Hallelujah. If he says this is sin, then it's sin. And even in our own life, in Romans, it tells us that um, we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. What does that mean? We're not to give it permission to do what it wants to do. <clears throat> not let sin reign. Uh, I'm, I go off on my kids because I can't help it. That's letting sin reign in your mortal body. 
I hit my wife because she needs to be put in her place. That's letting sin reign in your mortal body. Because if somebody six foot two was in front of you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to them. And that's God's daughter. The person at the Cracker Barrel that got your order wrong and you went off at the table. Oh, yeah, we'll bring it down to where we live right now. <laughs> the coach on the baseball field. The coach at the football game. Hallelujah. So we reverence, we honor, we respect, we esteem, hold in honor God's things. And he says, they that honor me, I will honor. So if we as the church, which is his body, if we honor the things. You know, uh, pastor used this scripture not long ago. He talked about how in Acts that they were all up in our arms about the miracle that happened at the gate beautiful and all this. And one wise man spoke up and said, if this be of God, you can't do anything about it. Shut your mouth, <laughs> basically. If this be a God, you can't fight against God. You know, and so speaking against the things of God, having to watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up? Y'all okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and I had even preparing this and, and even going through to, to give it. I had to practice the fear of God in my own heart because I thought, man, it can be hard. It can come across, you know, then people get locked up, you know, and can I say this? Can I not say that? What can I do? What can I not do? Can I raise my hand? Can I not raise my What, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I just think with all of us, and trust me, in preparing this and studying this, some course corrections and some adjustments are being made on the inside of my heart. And I think he wants that for all of us. It says in that scripture that he wants us to honor him, revere him, fear him for the good of us. <laughs> you know, and talking about my mom, and I'll let you go. Uh, my, my mom was tight. And uh, she'll get her due in heaven. So she's probably watching over the banisters and everything. And she's going, I'm going to get her. <clears throat> so she'll probably pull y'all aside and have gone, it was not that bad, yeah. as she said. But she was. I mean, she had all these kids that she had to corral and everything. And so, um, you know, she was tight on us and, you know, and even me more as a girl and that kind of thing. And so when I got to college, it was a whole new world for me. And so my first week at college, um, you know, people were staying out late, coming in in the morning just in time to take a shower to go to class, uh, being out all night long, partying, drinking all night long, and all this kind of stuff. And I was not of that kind that did that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm on my way to class, and I see them coming in all disheveled and everything and all this kind of thing and, you know, throwing up and <laughs> all that. And so I sat down on that Saturday after I got to college, and I wrote my mom a letter. And I said, I did not understand what you were doing. By the boundaries that she put on us, she was doing it for the good of us. For the boundaries that the Lord is putting on us, uh, what the things that he says is holy, the things that he says is right, the, say, the things he said, do it this way, not that way. And, uh, and we go halfway to do it. No, that's, that's still disobedience. This is the way I told you to do it. The boundaries, the borders that he put in our lives is for the good of us. What she was doing was putting boundaries on my life for the good of me. And I saw other people living without restraint. And then I saw the difference. And so I wrote her a letter and said, I am so grateful and so thankful for the teaching that you put in my I didn't like it at the time, and I apologized in it, you know, for being hard-headed and stubborn <laughs> and argumentative and everything that went along with it because at the time I couldn't see and there may be things that we don't know and we can't see but God said do it this way 
And he's doing it putting guardrails up for the good of us and for the children that come after us. Hallelujah. Father God, we are so grateful tonight for your love towards us. And we thank you, Father. We revere you. We honor you. We magnify you, Father God. You are holy. You remain holy. And you tell us to be holy as you are holy. And so, Father, we thank you that as we uh, tend our hearts towards you, that you will make us, mold us, shape us more and more into your image. Hallelujah. This song just popped up, and I did it the other day in prayer. From glory to glory, he's changing me, changing me, changing me. His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. He is changing. He's changing me from earthly into the heavenly. His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. He's changing us from the earthly into the heavenly. Amen.